I felt like I should make a tea because my throat kind of hurts, <laughs> but what can a tea do that shotgunning a white gun, a white claw can't? <laughs> that shotgunning a white claw can't, so... <laughs> I love how you're doing it in your mom's closet, too. I always spill so much in a shotgun. I have to do them outside. Damn, girl! It did explode a little bit over me. (laughs) I see it. (laughs) But let's be honest. There is white claw, wine, tears, sweat. A little bit of cat pee on this rug, so I think we're okay. <laughs> Probably some blood. Throw some blood on there during my uh, satanic rituals, you know. Just. <sighs> well, I feel I feel rejuvenated. Uh, good. Okay. I took a shower today, finally, and I feel rejuvenated. Oh fuck! I haven't done that yet. you know i i've been hearing that those do pretty good uh when you're in a depression slump but i i just wallow best i I, i'm a i'm a wallower in my filth type of gal so oh same i sit in my yeah i bought um some new shampoo and conditioner yesterday and i wanted to use it so bad i mean nothing fancy i just got new ones because i'm almost running out and you know like when you get something like new you just want to use it and so I was like, oh, my God, I want to use my new shampoo and conditioner. But I just used my old one. Yeah, not even. <laughs> See, that's how I think I know that I'm in a slump. Because my mom just bought the shampoo and conditioner that I like. And it hasn't even motivated me to get in the shower. And it's like, <laughs> this is after having multiple showers with a shampoo and conditioner that I hate. So, you know, I would be so excited. And I'm just like, no, you, you can't make me get in there. <laughs> I promise I don't smell guys. I'm just depressed. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I said I told myself tomorrow after I do hot yoga and I sweat, I'm gonna I'm not yeah. gonna have an excuse but to shower, you know? Because then yeah, I will just smell. wait for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not people judging me over the radio. Anywho. Well, I mean, I know, but I'm like, I'm right there with you. Like I sit around and then I wait to shower until I do something like mow the yard. Yeah, you know, it's not like I we're sitting to. around sweating. We're just literally I sitting on sweat. a couch for days, not uh, <laughs> not doing much of anything. So, I mean, how do you get dirty sitting in air? My butt sores say hi. Yeah. <laughs> from sitting on my ass, not from being dirty. The pus, <laughs> the pus on my couch from my butt sores says hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mysteries, mishaps, and bed sores. This is Kristen. And Sarah. Mmm, so yummy, so (laughs) delicious. Uh, Well, I mean, I was feeling pretty sad about this, but I just shotgunned a white claw and wow, that just really changes your perspective on life a little bit. So I'm, I'm fucking doing great right now. We're going into part two for the third time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, and this one is on me three times. 
It's on Sarah's computer, <laughs> honestly. We're just using this as a ex- new excuse to get her some new equipment because what the fuck, computer? You can't be doing that shit. This ain't the fucking early 2000s. Yeah. Maybe I'm the early 2000s and I just don't know how to work it. I feel like that's more... You're way better at technology than I am, but also we're I'm not that great, so it's not... Yeah, we're not we're not bragging by any means. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck, yeah, so we're we're here for part 2. Sorry it's coming out a day later than we anticipated, but don't worry. <laughs> Hopefully if everything goes right, you should be getting the third part Sunday. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Don't we're, don't <laughs> hold us don't hold us to that, but like that's the plan, but we're going to go with it and see. I so, feel like if we ever make promises or deadlines, it automatically that's jinxes it, us and that's so when it fucks up you'll get it when you get it <laughs> and don't complain about it because hey. yeah this is where we're not we're not stopping at this part um we're probably not even going to stop at the next part are you mad about it i don't really care because i just need to talk about this it's so fucking bonkers so i don't even think i've ever listened to a three or four part episode on like a different podcast not that they don't have them i've just never like listened to them if morbid didn't just do the hillside strangler like four or five part then i would have no motivation to do this but true they did it so i'm like fuck i have to do it too (laughs) you can do it too i shall you know what (laughs) i actually i fucking read a book i read a book my adh self could never so like we're gonna actually sit and talk about this one great accomplishment that I have in my life. So, where we last left off, we had talked about the MacArthur women and their experience with their Doctor John story, and how they essentially discovered that he was raping them. Fucking disgusting. With his nasty. Habit. Oh wait. Fuck. We'll, we'll get into gonna that. Say, we'll get. I know. <laughs> I keep forgetting we're not on part three. We're on I know. recording three. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a headache. Uh, but so finally, after a lot of like going back and forth and really struggling internally with what is going on, Minda decides after a very traumatizing appointment that she has had enough and she is going to ring the alarm on this whole scandal hell yeah so meg and minda were actually living together at the time um i don't i'm assuming it's like in the same house i know that they both have a lot of kids so it's a pretty cramped house or it's a really big house or maybe like a plot of land where they have two houses close by i don't know they you know yeah well it sounds kind of cool like living right i assume they're close and get along kind of living with your best friend yeah that would be like me and you literally living next door except uh we couldn't handle that many children because they would all be dead (laughs) (laughs) so since they live together meg notices that hey minda has been gone for quite some time and i don't think that minda had told her that she had been going to a doctor's appointment So Meg decides that she's going to go over to the mom's house because the kids aren't at the house as well. And uh, once she gets to Arden's house, Arden tells her that, yes, in fact, Minda is getting her pelvic exam. It's taking long as always. I'm just watching the kids for her until she gets back. And Meg was okay with this. And she was actually about to leave her mom's house and go over to pick up her husband from work when she notices Minda flying 
into the driveway. Like, it looks as if someone is chasing her or she's, like, running the fuck away from something. She slams on the brakes. And as soon as the car is in park, she sprints out and begins sprinting towards the two women. Hmm. Now she shouts to Meg, Dr. Story is never going to deliver your baby. And as soon as she's done saying this, she turns to her mother, Arden, and will cry, He's kinky, Mom. He's kinky, and don't you dare tell me otherwise. Oh, kinky, that word. I know. And, it like, I guess I don't think that that's the, use, the word that they used back then, but, like, for this town, that was the word that they used. It's, like, any thing to describe a pervert or like a sexual predator they just say kinky it's Mm. kind of weird makes me cringe kind of just call them a fucking rapist that's (laughs) way better (laughs) so like i had mentioned in part one and just at the very beginning of this part arden is still very much so like a big supporter. I mean, this whole family has been a huge supporter of Dr. Story and him taking care of the town for decades, like almost nearly two decades, I think, at this point. Wow. And so when her daughter, Minda, comes and says, hey, this is happening to me, she's like, no, it, it didn't, honey. Like, you're over-exaggerating. You're just, you, you're thinking too much into the appointment. Like, it, it didn't happen. Minda would not have it, and she would basically say, like, no, I know what this feels like. You should know. We should know from Uncle Bob and that I am not having this. I'm not going to play with this conversation. I'm just leaving. My undergarments are full of semen. I need to go home. And she would take her kids and leave. Which, like, after hearing that fact, I'm like, everything just makes so much more sense. Yeah. Oh, God. I have chills just because, like, the sticky... Ew. Ew. Sorry. It's... Ugh. So, after after hearing this, um, and like I had said before, the family really has never talked about sex in any capacity other than the instances of sexual assault that the children have had in the past. But even then, it was more like you talked about it to tell the parents and then that was it they didn't really speak of it again so meg didn't stick around to talk to her mom about anything or to talk about her experience she was just kind of shell-shocked and decided that i need to get out of here as well i'm not gonna stick around and she's feeling all of these feelings because minda was the sister that had kind of told her like oh you're being crazy don't like oh, I saw his penis too, ha, ha, ha. And now she's saying, oh, my God. Well, now, like, Minda's admitting it. What does that mean for me? Yeah. So as soon as Minda gets into the confidence of her own home, she would actually call one of Dr. Story's nurses, whose name was Jen Assay. Uh, I have no idea if this is related to Bob Assay because they both have the same <laughs> last name. Sorry, it sounds like Pig Latin. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would say something, but I can't fucking speak like it. At but first, like, I thought Janice was like her full first name, <laughs> right? But that would be a cool name. But yeah, I, I have no idea if there's like any relationship or not to Bob. But either way, she did work for Doctor Story, and when she got on the phone with Meg, she would uh, Meg would ask her, "Hey, does Doctor Story have any type of 
tube or any type of instrument that he would use on women that would feel like a penis and obviously jan is like what did you just say like what the fuck is dr story fucking doing in there she's like no like all we use are metal and plastic like speculums and tools i mean we what i don't even know what would be a medical instrument that would begin to feel like that right discuss oh man and just of course after he i can't imagine her feeling in that phone call and after she hears this she just says okay and she kind of hangs up and she's like i don't know what to do anymore i need guidance and so she would actually turn to her bishop to try and see what to do next because meg is also coming to the realization that like yes in fact this did happen to me this is something that I need to process and we either need to do something about it or find a way to move on. So Minda would also go with Meg when they went to go talk to the bishop. And once the girl sat down and told the bishop Larry Sessions that they both had in fact been violated by Dr. Story, he would say to them, girls, I thought you were going to tell me something I didn't know. Oh, no, 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 no. I've been hearing these reports for over five years. (gasps) Goosies. So obviously shocked and angered and like a little fucking perplexed that their bishop of who's like supposed to be God? Where are you at? It's supposed to be, yeah, like, okay. So they're like, why hasn't anything been done about this? Because... They're thinking in terms of they have a younger sister and the thought of this younger sister potentially losing her virginity and her not even knowing and it happening in a fucking doctor's office. I mean, like, why would a church knowingly let this happen to the women that go to that church? I like... If you're not going to do anything about it, post a fucking flyer on the fuck of the friend of the church hey don't go to this doctor he rapes the women i'm like you didn't even attempt to like warn these women about anything and you're saying you knew this whole time okay ew i wonder if dr story like is a donor to the church you'll i i think it's more of the opposite and we'll find out a little later on that um he actually does not like mormons but mm. when it comes to men, Dr. Story is way more respectful with men. So I feel yeah. like if there are powerful men in the community, as you'll see, like he becomes friends with them fairly quickly and whatnot. So even though he may not support the church and he, even though he quote unquote hates Mormons, he is very good at acting like he likes them. So these people are just like yeah. ob- oblivious, obviously, to how he feels and whatnot, and like the real him. So he just puts on this fake facade, and all of the men in town fucking eat his shit up. Like they scoop it up. Ugh. Sessions would basically tell the girls that the reason he hasn't told, done anything about it is because there's nothing that he can do. He can't prove anything. And. He- He doesn't tell women straight off the bat, but I guess if a woman comes up to him and says, oh, something happened to me with Dr. Story, 
he would just tell them, okay, cool, change doctors. I'm like, bitch, just tell... You're not even warning them. You're warning them after the fact. Like, I... I oh. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Yeah, and, like, okay, like, there's so many different options of doctors, because I know there's a couple other ones, but in part one, I think you mentioned that at some points, Dr. Story would be the only one in town, Mm because people would be away or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, it's literally, like, two to three doctors in the town at a time and of course like doctors will leave for vacation or whatever so sometimes he was the only one and you'll find out that like this town doesn't even have it's not like what we would think of as san antonio as a town like they don't have an ambulance they didn't have like emt like if something happened that was wrong in this town dr story would literally get in his town and drive over to that house and he would act as like the emt or whatever so it's Uh. it's very much different from what we see as a regular town so and that's what's so hard is a lot of these people who do talk for dr story in a positive light will say like oh well he saved my brother he saved my sister there's a heart attack Uh, there's an incident like where uh, later on he saves one of the sons and it's just like it's easy for him to, I guess, like slip into these positions where he's like, oh, you got to feel so good for me because I did so much for you. But then behind yeah. closed doors, he's just like oh, a piece of shit. Oh. After hearing this conversation and obviously being upset that their bishop is telling them to just like go see a doc- another story, another doctor, that there's nothing <laughs> that they can do about this. They would call their mom and it's really at this time that Arden is can't deny it anymore it's it's right in front of her and she can only push it to the side so much so she finally is like okay you know this happened I can't deny the facts anymore we need to go and tell your father what has happened so as soon as they reach the father Dean Dean would actually call one of his friends who is a doctor in another town and Dean would start to ask his friend hey so can you tell me how exams go? Like, how are, long are they supposed to be? Is there ever a tube used to dilate patients? Or is there any type of procedure that would be done where a tube needed to be inserted in these women during a pelvic exam? It would be in that living room with all of them sitting around each other, listening to that phone call, that they would be told, no, there is no such thing. And it's basically the confirmation that the girls have, in fact, been abused and raped by their own daughter. Doctor. Uh, Fuck. Well, good for um, Dean is his name, right? Yeah. The dad. Good for Dean for, like, getting a second opinion. Yeah. And I Uh, can't imagine because Dean had just had a heart attack right before this. So, like, he is not in the story saved his life. Yeah. So he's not in the fucking like best mental health to be hearing something so insane. And you'll see like it really does upset him. But he he tries his best to be really supportive of the family. But it's just this is a fucking tragic tale, man. It really Everyone in this town is affected in some sort of capacity. And if it's not by story, like I said in the beginning, like fucking everyone in this town was abused in some way. It is so insane to hear about like, yeah. what high percentage of abuse has happened in one small town. It's everyone has like been affected or hurt in some way. 
So after hearing the confirmation from Dean's friend that, yes, y'all, you girls were abused, they decide that they need to make things right and go to their stake president because, like I had mentioned in the first part, the church really brainwashes these fucking girls. And if you don't like that term, I'm sorry, because they will literally disfellow these women if they are raped in their church. And for what? Because they and they will tell them like, oh, you didn't do enough or you didn't protect your virtue enough. Like, no, fuck you. Rape is rape. And you can't. Uh, I'm just well, uh, I don't have words. It's hard to voice my opinion because I'm so mad. But it, yeah, so it's just like they allow the men to rape. But if the women come as victims of rape, they have an issue with it. So. Uh, mm. OK, yeah, so. You're not allowed to be raped, but if a man rapes someone, they it's okay. So that's the most contradictive shit I've ever heard. Yeah. It is. So Meg goes to see President John Abraham. Fuck you, bro. And when Meg tells Dr. S- or when Meg tells Abraham what happened to her with Dr. Story, he acts shocked. He goes, well... Why didn't you get up off of the table and run away? Oh. Are you having an affair with him? Oh, okay. All right. Are are you going out and getting drinks with this man, Meg? (sighs) If you're upset, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Meg, you, you have to understand. Because, again, you can lose your fellowship because of this. Oh, my God. And he goes, has this ever happened to you before? And she goes, yeah, it has. Bob Say, remember the motherfucker who's recommend to get married in a fucking temple that you, John Abraham, had personally signed? He raped me as a child. Fuck. See? Yeah. He's allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, a, a John. Oh, well, Meg, I didn't know. But it's not like I'm going to do anything about it now that I do know, you know. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I can't help but picture Abraham Lincoln when you say President Abraham. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Lincoln. I don't mean to do you like that. Not right. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) fuck. It's, and it's funny. It's not funny. It's interesting because Arden actually says later in the book that the Rose Doctor or William Horsley, who we had talked about in the first part as kind of being like the first evil doctor of the town. And he would sexually assault and rape men in his office or in the hospital. And when he got kicked out of the hospital, he started doing it in the privacy of his own office. Well, we later find out that Bob Say was actually one of Horsley's patients. Oh. And so... Arden later on ponders if Bob got her kinkiness, got his kinkiness from Horsley. And it really goes to say, like, this is a continuing cycle of, like, if you allow the assault, it and I, it brings up assaulters. I, it's so fucked, and I don't know why, but pe- right. hurt people hurt people. So it's just... Not always. We're not saying everyone does no, that, okay? No, not at all. But it, it's, But we do see it in, in a lot of cases where, yeah. It's definitely an ugly cycle where sometimes the victim will turn into the abuser. 
Yeah. Uh, but it also goes back into that notion that we had. I had kind of touched in the first part of how the town was really under the notion that by allowing Horsley to run his office to pretty much they allowed the abuse to happen under him. It And you'll find out later on that a lot of powerful people knew that this was going on and when he did end up getting kicked out of the hospital and the abuse shifted they knew about that too and they just kind of turned a blind eye so it's really Mm -hmm. like all of these powerful people are allowing all of this abuse to happen and it's really the snowball effect of how it led to such a greater evil to step in and feed on the ignorance of this town so after john was done hearing about Bob and hearing about all of his fucks up, fuck ups in the church. He basically did another one and he told Meg, Hey, you need to drop this. Uh, there's no proof to your experience. You're just looking for trouble. You know, I, I talk to God on the daily and 11th commandment command ugh, and the 11th commandment. He told me, you know, like thou shalt let men rape and women be victims forever. Yep, says it right there. Right, I see it right there in the little tiny text right in between my middle finger where it says fuck and you. <laughs> so, the girls are being told by everyone in the fucking town to forget it. And the mother, Arden, is pretty much being told the same. And all meanwhile, like going through just the shittiest feeling, the shittiest low in her life because she is... Every day that is passing, it's sinking deeper that this man that she trusted, who she defended, who she right, left and right was telling people this is a good man. She brought her daughters, told her friends and her parents and her in-laws to go see him. He betrayed the ultimate trust. And yeah, has she probably soul- feels like a fool. Yeah. And... Sarah had asked in one of the parts, and I'm just going to bring it up because it is an interesting part, and I know, Sarah, that you forgot that you asked this. No, is it that she may, that Arden may be realizing that possibly she had been abused too? Yeah. And it does Because she most likely had gotten exams as well, although, like, it hasn't been a part of the, like, story. Yeah, and though, like, it doesn't... um, if it does say in the book, I haven't gone to that part yet. So, like, give me a little bit. But from what I have read, it, it, from what it says, she has not admitted to anything. Like, she hasn't told her daughters anything about it. She hasn't told the book anything about it. But in the book, it hints that there was definitely moments where it could have happened. Because she was the victim of those really long pelvic exams. So Yeah, so sh- we at least know she had long pelvic yeah, exams, yeah. which definitely suggests mm-hmm. everything something, along with that. Yeah, something happened. So it's heavily insinuated, though. Uh, stay tuned with me. We, I, It's not like for sure ever said, at least in the part that I have read yet. I've currently read. And it's while she's kind of going through these emotions and her daughters are calling her and telling her, like, mom, the president, mom, the bishop, mom, these, as it will turn later into, like, random people on the street coming up and harassing them. Arden realizes that she cannot turn to her church 
because her church will not do anything. Her church is not the moral efficacy that it is claiming to be. Right, they're enabling it. So she says, I'm not going to the church. I'm not asking the church for help. This is a matter between me and God, like just us. So she decides to turn to the Father in heaven and she goes, bro, God, can you Dear God. Dear God, can you please help me out? Like, I, I need some help. I need guidance on what to do because Arden... In the book is described as like a very strong woman. She holds a lot of pride in herself. And I think it is really that attitude that made her, I don't want to say stand out from the other victims, but it is what got the ball rolling. Like John's story at the end of the day just messed with the wrong family because Arden had the pride to carry her through the trial because she, at the end of the day, did not want other people to experience what her or her family went through, and she was willing to do anything to get it done. She didn't care, really, about what was being said about her. Good, Arden. Good. Yeah. And you have to think, like, she she willingly, she knows that by doing this, she has the potential to lose everything everything because this is a small town she has a business within this town and Mm. if things go awry and as you see like a lot of people will side with doctor story later on like it has the potential to lose her whole livelihood yeah a lot of risks yeah but she knew fuck it something has to be done she didn't she's Mormon she doesn't say fuck it but she's like something has (laughs) to be done it needs to happen we do we say fuck it Mm -hmm. in our minds (laughs) And out loud. <laughs> all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Thankfully, our homeboy God did not take very long to respond. Hey, God, I'd like a message of my own. Maybe just like a little break. A side note. This is Kristen, not Arden talking. Back a new MacBook, please. <laughs> just uh, a, new, a new life, please. So he, she would get a message from God in the form of 71-year-old Mormon member no name sorry i i didn't put it they don't name her it's anonymous you you get what i mean so this 71 year old woman phoned the relief society that arden just so happened to be the president of Uh now i don't entirely know what the relief society is within this church or if it's in like with all mormon churches but um it just basically seems kind of like a help hotline for women like, if they um have any type of thing that they want to vent about or anything, that they can go ahead and call this hotline and, like, get some help or get some guidance or, like, just vent. So, the 71-year-old member calls, and she talks about how Story had actually abused her years before. And as soon as she gets that phone call, Arden goes, that's weird. And then a few hours after that, she gets another sister that calls and would say to her that she had actually gone to police some 17 years back after Story had raped her daughter. But as soon as she went to the police with this information to try and, you know, fucking get him arrested, the police were like, no, we're we're not going <gasps> to touch this case. We're not going to do anything about it. Okay, so the police also are you'll find like everyone in this fucking town denies it the 
the age range is shocking it's shocking it's disgusting this man should have been locked up a very long time ago it gets very ugly later on oh wow if it ain't already ugly now yeah it's mm. so you have the members of the church you have the police members like later on you'll see like they even go to people in dr story's church it's just like everyone for whatever reason just doesn't want to do anything about it and i don't know why i don't know if it's like because of the shame behind it or it's just the pure they don't want to leave that ignorance of like this could never happen because the world like can't be yeah this way. like i it sounds like honestly they care about the town's reputation yeah because it does heavily involve the, Their town. the mormon population and i bet you the you know every the town officials and authorities they all work close together and probably a lot of the police officers are mormon and i, I want to say uh i think i say it in part three but like the state senator i believe is a part of arden's church so yeah like, it, it it's crazy it's a fucking the, web yeah it's a huge i'm just like the the people in such power and their responses that they have to these victims how could you how could you and then they act so shocked when this happens i'm just like you knew that it was happening you're just acting shocked to save face but i'm i, I at the end of the day i really don't know how you could like go to bed at night knowing that this is happening and you're willingly allowing it to happen well because they're probably fucking raping their cousins Ugh. All of them. Fucking, like, I really... It blows my mind. It blows my mind that people actually are like this. I just really... Like, yeah, I cheated on a few guys in my day, but fuck, I couldn't imagine doing this. Not the same. Yeah, and you know, part of me keeps reminding myself, we're in the 60s, the 70s, whatever. <sighs> Doesn't help. No. It it just like it makes it so creepy because we it's because of the time like we just allowed it it's more understandable because we just allowed it to happen I'm like fuck man world is fucked up I need yeah. I need a shotgun and another fucking white claw huh. so the next day after getting this phone call or yeah the next day Arden goes back to. Manning the phones at the Relief Society, and she gets another call just like this. And then oh. she gets a fucking fourth one. And you have to keep in mind that, like, this is not that, like, people were hearing rumors about, like, oh, uh, the McArt, like, Minda had this huge breakdown and at Arden's house, and she said that dr story raped her and whatever like the town had no knowledge of this so these women were just calling like of their own fruition to vent about this incident that happened with dr story it's not like they had any like knowledge that arden was out here trying to look for a reason you know what i mean right. i think that's just like what makes it so much more fucking worse yeah and i wonder you know like how many calls that they've gotten about Doctor's story that, you know, obviously Arden didn't hear or she kind of wrote off because she liked him or, you know. Yeah. And, um, like, obviously, 
if it's like four or five in a couple days and all varying instances of how long ago they it happened and it just goes to show how common it is Mm -hmm. and how long it's been going on Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to say because obviously like I'm reading a book so they want to give you a fucking dramatic effect like I don't know if (laughs) I don't know if she had been getting calls like this about doctor story and she was initially like ignoring them because you know she had protected him for so long I don't know if this is if this is something like when she got the phone call she was like this again and then like put her brain on mute and just didn't pay attention to it or if it was something that like just out of the blue these four women happened to call and say it so like well, we we whatever it is, it sounds like good timing, sounds yeah. like a good sign. So, mm-hmm. God helps out a lot in this book, according to the book. <laughs> according. <laughs> according to the textual evidence of this paper. <laughs> and so with these four calls, she goes, okay, this is my fucking sign, God. I get it. I hear you loud and clear. I am going to go see what I can do about this. So she would even, she would go to one of the bureaucrats for the state of Wyoming and talk to him and see what her options were to try and get Dr. Story to stop assaulting his patients. You know, I don't think that that is something that is difficult to ask for. Hmm. Uh, Just me. (laughs) So the bureaucrat would tell her on the phone... And she was a, a little nervous talking to this bureaucrat because Arden was very much aware that they probably weren't going to help these women out because Wyoming laws during this time and like probably even still to this fucking day because laws be like that, Minnesota. <laughs> so they're very skewed against medical rape in Wyoming during this time and medical rape victims uh. in particular. And if state officials were dropped a case with anything having to do with medical rape, they were like, no, fuck this. We're not even going to take it to trial. We don't want to touch it. Like, it it just, it didn't happen. Shit. Yeah, they probably don't pay it, like, the mind of day unless multiple, multiple people come forward. Because then they're probably obligated to do something. Which is so fucked. Even if, like... Fucked. It's so fucked. Like, it... The trauma of one should be enough. (laughs) Right. Ew. And it's so funny that you say that because you'll see, like, later on, that's what they ask for. They're like, no, one isn't enough. You need to give us more. And then even once they give their first number, later on, they're like, no, that's not enough. We actually need more. I'm like, if the first number was fine, actually. Like, it's it was a lot for you to even ask for that. But I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. So... And of course, like the bureaucrat did not disappoint. He was exactly like these rape medical rape laws were stating. And he would tell Arden during a phone conversation that your problem is that you think Dr. Story's done something criminal. But by our statutes, he hasn't. What the fuck kind of statutes? I want to know what the other Ten Commandments say. Yeah, I want to oh, see these. Did you say Eleventh Commandment earlier? Yeah. Okay, it's ten, yeah. Well, I know, um, but I, I had to add like, it. Like you added one on, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, I did, that one totally got by me. <laughs> but my poor jokes. 
I, I'm sorry. I, it's just you got to throw one in there to make something. Make something like Simba. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I would just assume that all ten of their uh, commandments would, you know, obviously they're the same and whatever. It's the ten commandments, but the way they perceive and apply them could be totally skewed. Yeah, like opposite day, it's the actual fucking opposite of what that is. <laughs> um... And so Arden, like, literally pissed with the beard crap, was like, what do you mean? Sexual abuse isn't fucking criminal. Like, you're telling me that doctor rape isn't criminal? Yeah. Mm. It gets even worse because he says, your daughters went to his office of their own free will. Yeah, for a fucking sore throat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah! How these people aren't in jail for assault because I would have lunged over that motherfucking table and he would he, I, he would have been dead. He, uh, are, if someone had the audacity, I am not a saint like them. Oh my hey, god! They say fight for your virtue, right? Yeah, I'm like, bitch, I fought. <laughs> but then you know what? If they probably fought, they'd still get in trouble. Oh no, for sure, a thousand percent, they'd still get in trouble. The only solid piece of advice that this bureaucrat would give is literally to say, go get five more women or like, go get five women and then I'll talk to you. Other than that, you're wasting my time. And then he would hang up. Ew, it sounds like he just threw a number out to send her on like a wild goose chase. Exactly. And then later on, it's not fuck. Like they ask for more. I'm like, bitch, you already asked for five. How How is five not enough? Honestly, if one's not enough, like what the fuck? You can't put a number on like this is the set amount. Because like what the fuck? So now doctors are going to be like, okay, as long as I get one under that, I'm not going to go to jail. I'll be good. Like, fuck mm. you, bro. Minda was taking her own steps by writing letters to the medical society about her experience, claiming that her family doctor of the past 24 years has been dilating her with his penis for the last seven. Ugh. She would eventually Ugh. receive a response thanking her for her time and giving the Wyoming Medical Society the opportunity to investigate. She would later get another letter telling her that she needed to contact Dr. Lawrence Cohen in Cheyenne, where she would have to tell him of the numerous instances of her rape and sexual assault with Dr. Story. And after that, she had to be put on the defense and was told to, like, go over in extreme detail everything that happened, mold over and really, like, hounded over her experience And it was leaving that office that she kind of realized for the first time that this whole ordeal is not going to be the ruination of Dr. Story. It's going to end up being the ruination of his victims. Which. Yeah, which unfortunately is so just how it is. It's so like like, fucking this book. The fuck the system. This book says such hard sentences and it like gives you chills because it's so fucking sad how true it is it just like devastates so eventually now that they're 
writing letters to the medical board and um, the Arden women, of course, after all of this is going on, like, stop talking to Dr. Story. I know the mom, Arden, like, even did laundry for Story, Story's, like, office. So she would go and, like, take the sheets and wash them for him and whatever. And after that, she was just, like, being really sketchy and, I guess, like, not washing him as much. And so he was kind of like, what's going on? Like, something's weird. So... He eventually finds out the reason why the MacArthurs have put the sun distance between them. And he decides, I'm going to go and confront Arden. Hmm. So he would ask her, why are you doing this to me? Is it my competitor, Dr. Welsh, that set you up for this? Like, I've done nothing wrong to y'all. What the heck is going on? Arden's like do you don't even pretend like I know what's happening and this is all too late like we've already written our letters to the medical board and as soon as John hears like that they've written letters to the medical board he goes oh like that's fine I can deal with that oh ew okay who does he know (laughs) everyone and then he (laughs) says hey please like let me see Minda let me see Meg let me talk to them Mm-mm. Arden is like, I don't know how the heck Meg would want to see you, but Minda, I guess, eventually agrees. And Minda would meet Dr. Story with her husband and try to listen to these half-assed excuses of what Story had to say for himself. He would try to give half-assed excuses or, like, half-assed s- solutions to say, like, oh, I'm going to cut my pelvic exams in half or I will have a nurse in the exam room for the entire fucking time. Like, okay, bitch, why, how are you able to cut your exam in half if it's needed? If like, apparently you need that long to do one first off, like fucking what well, the and fuck? First off, even if he cuts his three to five hour exams in half, that's still too, too long. long. <laughs> God damn it. He even tries to go and say, like, I'll only uh, have women over 60. And when Minda and Scott are kind of like, dude, that doesn't solve the fact that you raped my me and like slash my wife. Dr. Story goes, oh, well, you know, you still have an $1,800 medical bill to pay. So, like, I wouldn't be throwing around these accusations, you know? Mm. Scott Minda's husband's like, uh, excuse the fuck out of me, Bill. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we don't owe you a damn cent. He didn't say damn. He's Hell also a woman. yeah, Scott. Yeah. The story would be like, because Scott's really big. Scott's like a big buff dude. He's like a big boy. So story would, little five foot something dude. He's like, oh my God, no, no, no. You know what, Scott? Yeah, no, totally. I, you don't owe me anything. <laughs> damn right and then he would turn to scott and go you know if i thought anybody did to my wife what you're saying i did to yours i would feel the exact same way so i don't so don't think i don't understand but i just simply didn't do it okay fucking sicko gross (laughs) how does your wife feel about you raping all these girls women we'll get to her Mm mm-hmm 
Ooh. <laughs> As the pair drove away, Scott would profusely apologize to Minda for ever doubting oh. his wife as the pair drove home. As soon as Scott and Minda got home, well, they didn't go straight home. They went to their in-laws' house because uh, her in-laws were watching their children. And Mm -hmm. as soon as Minda enters the doorway, she is met with Scott's mom, Dorothy. Now, Minda kind of tells Dorothy about the situation. Of course, like, her and Dorothy kind of had a strained relationship at first because, you know, like, Minda got pregnant out of wedlock and she was like, you damn it, Arthur woman seduced my son, but... They're chill now. It's all good. And good, good. Minda would tell her, you know, yes, this, in fact, did happen with Dr. Story. And I already wrote my letter to the medical board and it's it's going to happen. So here's just like filling her in. Yeah, so like, here's the situation. Just so you know, as soon as she was done saying this, Dorothy would start to cry, which Aww. Minda was kind of like. That's really sweet, but, like, why are you, why are you crying? <laughs> yeah, like, thank you. Yeah, like, wow, that's really thoughtful of you. But it was after, it was through her tears that Dorothy would say that she, too, had experienced Dr. Story's dilations. Oh, Dorothy. So about five years prior, she realized that he had began dilating her with a rather large instrument. Oh. And he would even ask her to start working her vaginal muscles. (gasps) He would then proceed to reach up and stroke her clitoris while asking her if it felt good. No, 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 no. Purely disgusted because what the actual fuck? She would wrench up and be like... Excuse me. And he would step back and go over to the washbin and be like, okay, exam's over. Well, yeah, because how do you expect an older woman to not realize what you're doing? Like, you're... Like, to reach... It's one thing with a two, but, like, you're literally going up and reaching her clit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, maybe a younger girl uh, wouldn't know that that is what sex is like and that's what it is and they may not realize that they're being raped but a woman who's married with children is gonna know what you're doing if you're rubbing her clit and asking if it feels good it's oh the fuck Mm. it's disgusting like he's just he's the one who's asking for it really The, and, oh, my gosh, one of the stories that I say later on is, like, it It really shocked me, and I had to, like, put the book down and step away for a second, because I was just oh. so pissed off. She had said that she had felt so violated from this experience because she had been so trusting of Dr. Story, and she thought of him as, as such a good friend that the experience felt more like incest to her. but just adds a whole nother layer yeah and both women would agree and look i'm not trying to be kinky or anything this is like the only reason i'm saying this is because it is a thing that plays on later into the case is that um he had a rather large instrument 
Oh, no. AKA penis, for those who didn't get it. Oh, my God. Okay. Ew. Yeah. I know the word instrument was really throwing me off. Yeah. I Sarah was literally did not understand that that was. Well, because, <laughs> you know, the word like tube instrument, I was literally considering that he was sodomizing yeah. women with like the tube of lube yeah and i i would think uh when i first began reading it that is what i had assumed as well but later on you find out like no he was using his penis okay and he like you said small dude yeah um and i know we have different experiences with short guys and their penises versus tall guys and their penises but it still surprises me that this small dude has such a large painful instrument yeah because like i said because this was in one of the first recordings sorry we'll talk about it again (laughs) at least in my experience because sarah was like no way just the small guy packing and i'm like honestly though like the taller dudes that i have been with i'm not packing that it's not that's not been the case it's always been the smaller guys and i think that's why i go for shorter men Uh, yeah, I could see that. But I don't. Although that hasn't been my experience, um, I I'm not like each man comes in different shapes and sizes. Guys, you and know, just you know, they luck have of the draw. Not been large, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah. <laughs> and honestly, though, it's an odd thing how it is. But at how... at the end of the day. I think it's easier for me to get shorter guys because tall guys, I think I'm too tall for them. They, like, get intimidated by me. And short men, they, like, want a tall girl, so they're like, oh, I'm going to climb that tree. (laughs) (laughs) I want those tall jeans. (laughs) So, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, Doctor Story, though, hell to the no. No. Fuck this dude. Don't appreciate rapists. I want to talk no. about. I'd want to talk about that essay scum thing, bro. <gasps> yeah. Speaking of douchebags, like, can we just oh can God. we just like go off on a real quick story, real, real, real quick? Like, bro, we have had a fucking near death experience, and we found out <laughs> on Twitter on a Twitter thread called essay scums. What the fuck? Yeah, like, basically, uh, at one point in our lives, um, I say our because Kristen I was, was there with for me, one like, time. time. Well, I was there for, like, I met this dude at least once. I think maybe twice. Yeah. But there was definitely a day um, where we hung out with him. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I don't know. He's, like, involved in the hipster musician clique of, of San Antonio and, uh... You know, I went to a few of his, like, parties with friends, had mutuals, and uh, later on down the road, like, you know, I met him, whatever, and uh, later on down the road, we became, like, kind of interested. We hung out a few times, like, Kristen and I went over there to swim, and, uh, you know, weird, quirky, hipster dude, Mm -hmm. whatever, and... Um, but he always had this really weird energy and very pressing, like very, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. He would like text me a lot, like blow up my phone if I didn't respond. He'd text again, text again. Um, like I'd just be at work or something and busy and he would just like blow me up. Yeah. And um he like I'm totally the type of person back in my single days who you know, if I wanted to have fun, I'd have fun. If I if I didn't, if you weirded me out, I wouldn't. And so he would be very pressing on like hanging out. Um so I agreed to like go on a date with him and uh I literally don't even remember what we did. I just remember getting in his car and him being like, I borrowed five dollars from my mom, what do you wanna do? <laughs> Baby, we could take the or whole like town with that five dollars. <laughs> or it could have been like ten, you know. But still, I was like, um... Um, "Take me home." <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know if it was that same night or a different night. Like uh, maybe we, I don't know, did something and we're drinking. I spent the night, and you know, he was like really wanting to hook up, and I was like, "No, like I'm drunk. You're weird." <laughs> I didn't tell him that, but <laughs> I just remember like waking up, and his like sister and his mom was in the kitchen. Like, you know, I had to wake up and go out there and talk to these people, and I just was never feeling it, and so I pretty much stopped. Yeah, you know, I ended to up him. ghosting him. Yeah. yeah, like stop talking to him. Stop. Like uh, not even a week. I think we. I met him it, once, and I was like, "Hey, what happened to that dude?" And you were like, "Yeah, he was really weird." Yeah, like this did not happen over a long period of time, and then um, a few days ago, I came across this Twitter account called SA Scums, which is a Twitter account where people can expose. Rapists in San Antonio and share their stories and his name was all over the feed. And when you send those screenshots, bro. These girls are saying how, you know, they were drunk at his pool parties and he took them to other rooms, barricaded them in, raped them, um, shot up heroin in front of them. He even apparently injected uh, like drunk girls with yeah. heroin apparently is the reason for two girls' death. Yeah, dude. Because of crazy shit. What like, the I don't know details. And all alleged. But... Don't sue us. Right. Well, you know, I think one girl who shared their story, she said after she shared her story on Instagram, like seven other girls Stop, came out. Bro. You know, he's a serial rapist. And, you know, see, thinking about it now, I actually think because knows him or knew him through her ex mm-hmm. and. I think maybe a year or two ago, she sent me a screenshot of maybe a tweet or post or something about him, like maybe along that, this manner, um, but I don't really remember, because we've talked between the two of us, too, about him and yeah. his weird but situation. But it's just like, ooh. And so, basically, just thinking back on it, like that time I spent the night at his house and I didn't want to have sex. Yeah. He totally could have yeah. had his way, probably. I Like, we joke a lot about near-death experiences. Like, fuck, we did not mean to be that close. No. Good God. What the hell? Yeah, I, I, like, when you sent me that, I was like, oh, I don't know how we're going to work this in, but someone needs... 
I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? When I, I, you know, don't really remember that much about that time in my life, but I do remember going to the pool with him and I freaking have the book on my book stand that I took. Yeah, from he his let house. us borrow some of his books. And I knew that day when we left his I house, was never he was gonna never return getting his books. books back. His friend even. Like, we weren't going to see him again. We never saw him yeah, again ever. after that. His I don't friend think. made a joke like, oh, why are you giving him those books that you're never going to see him again? I'm like, damn straight. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was weird vibes. I mean, it was like, oh, wow. Sorry. So sorry, but we just had to say that. That was... I was flabbergasted. I had to sit down. I know. When I saw that, I was just like, huh. Yeah. Holy shit. You, Dodged a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> if you or anyone you know need support, we link down below. Because, goddamn, that's I think hard I, to process. I, um, I held my ground with him pretty good. And, yeah. Um, surprisingly, so... I maybe he was like scared or intimidated by me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, stay safe out there, man. Pack pepper spray. Like, I'd like to think that was it. But it's Pack probably, a little cat stabbies. Pack them all. Scream. Bite. Worst comes to worst, peer solves. It tends to work more times than not. Surprisingly. If you feel like exposing a broke rapist or a rapist in general. SA scums. SA <laughs> yeah, scum. Or I'm sure there are similar pages like that for for in general, not specific to locations yeah. or specific to different locations. So uh, even talking about it anonymously anonymously always helps. Oh yeah. But back to our story. <clears throat> Where were we? So, so Arden is now on the lookout for five more victims that can help testify and stop Dr. Story. But unfortunately, this is, I think at this point, it might even be the 80s. I say the year later on. I think this is like really early 80s. She, no internet. There's no true crime podcast out there. No TikTok to solve any crimes. <laughs> no Reddit. Yeah. Like, uh, it, I don't even think true crime was a thing at this point. Like, she has no idea where to even begin to try and find these victims or, like, where she could find a woman to help her out with this. Because you have to think the four women that she did receive phone calls from, those were done under strict confidentiality. So it's not like she could go to those women and be like, hey, remember that anonymous yeah. hotline? Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, gonna... and anonymous. Yeah. So it's not like she could know who they were talking, she was talking to. Anyways. Yeah, she probably could, maybe, if it was, you know, small town. Yeah, but, but anyway. Either way. But her, uh, so Meg and Minda count as two. Yes. Right, out of the five, but it can't just be them two. Mm -hmm. And you'll, right, you'll so. see later on, like, the attorneys don't really like the idea of like Megan Minta because they're sisters they would rather just have like I guess one or the other or like five random people and not a family of someone yeah, coming not forward that it should fucking matter. not like it should fucking matter but I mean you uh, I hate it but I see where it could come because you know, they're like, like oh the, they're cahooting um, they're in cahoots or whatever yeah what do you call it a whatever. like the Salem I'm blanking like the Salem witch trial shit you know what I mean? You know what we mean? You know what we mean. So Arden 
is using her brain. She's really trying to think back to any name that she has heard in the past relating to like a doctor's story scandal. Now, she does remember one woman whose daughter Arden had heard was abused, but when she went to this woman, she would flat out deny and say, like, don't you come near me, ho. Like, I don't want anything to do with this stuff. Doctor Story is a fine man. Like, my doctor's got, my daughter just got a checkup from him. Like, leave us alone. And so, oh, man. Yeah. I wish Arden would have gone to the daughter instead of the mom. I know. Because I know, like, the daughter, if if it's, you know, something that her, that Arden's daughter heard in high school, like, it's not like she's a child. Yeah. She's, like, can make a more better decision for her than her mom. But strike one, Arden thinks, and she tries to go off and think of who else she could go uh, talk to. So she remembers some 24 years back that Dr. Story had actually kicked. Holy shit. I know. This woman has a great memory, but she doesn't smoke or, like, even drink soda. So I guess that's what what happens when you don't do that. And she's active. She farms. Yeah. Like, her brain is regularly challenged and exercised. Yeah. So she remembers, like, all that time ago that... And also, like, I'm sure that this was, like, the biggest event to happen at the time. That was, like, the town's gossip, you know? It was, like, reality TV. Yeah. I remember what Keeping Up with the Kardashians did season one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I did 24 years ago when I was two and a half. <laughs> So she would Not. remember that Dr. Story had kicked out a woman in his office by the name of Alma Kent. So Arden would get into her car and would drive over to Sister Kent's house. And it was while she was driving over to Kent's house that she noticed a name, a woman by the name of Alethea Birch, who was crossing the road. Now, huh. Alethea did this often because she was the town's male woman. But... Arden felt this sudden urge, like, I need to pull over and talk to this woman. Oh, so another she, little sign. Mm-hmm, little divine intervention. So she would pull her car over, roll her window down, and Arden would call out to Alethea and ask if she had seen Dr. Story. As soon as Alethea heard this, she broke down into tears. And Arden immediately jumped out of the car and wrapped her arms around her, tried to console her. She said, Arden said, you know, like both my daughters, Meg and Minda, have been violated by Dr. Story. And I, I, Alethea, I don't need to know the details, but if you could please just write a letter about your experience so we can send this to the medical board, we can try and do something to stop him. Alethea would simply nod through her tears and Arden, not wanting to press her any further, got back in her car and continued to drive off in her pursuit of more victims. Um, so she nodded like, yes, we'll get we'll get to it. Like it was a... kind of like a I'll, OK, I'll think about it. And okay. we'll get into Alethea's story like as long as obviously well you would have said i guess if she didn't if she nodded no yeah so like okay it was kind of like and you'll see later on uh why she kind of broke down into tears it's really crazy how like uh, the timing of it all happens but yeah. um she she was very much just like in a fragile place and so when, when that happened she too was kind of looking for a sign so she's like 
I need to process my emotions right now before I can give you a straight answer, but I'm definitely going to think about it. Cool. So once Arden finally gets to Sister Kent's house, she is met with a firm denial. So Alma would say nothing like that has ever happened. And she would even threaten that if she was brought to trial to testify, she would flat out say that she doesn't remember. And Arden would try to kind of like swoop in and be like, oh, okay, so you don't remember. That means obviously that like something may have happened. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And... Alma would just be like, no, I've already talked to my lawyer. Like, all I have to do is say I don't remember, and they're not going to ask me any questions about it. And so Okay, Mr. Lawyer with the advice. That's okay. We'll see. I get it, but it also sounds like they're giving her advice on how to act within her Mormon community to deny anything happened so she stays within the church, you know? Like, they're almost... They're encouraging the silencing. Yeah. I It definitely is a major part of that. I don't know if I ever go into Alma's story, um, but it playing devil's advocate could just be that. Because a lot of times these women do try and get some kind of help or they try, like multiple times we'll see later on, like women do go to the medical board and write letters exactly like Arden has and they are just met with freaking denial. And so it's, I can't imagine as a victim, like after experiencing that, you would, I don't want to remember that either. So it's hard to say what her exact excuse was. But there are definitely, is definitely that pressure within the community of if you come out as a victim, you are putting your fellowship on the line. And at that, you are also like putting your freaking mental sanity on the line because these women are brought through the ringer. I mean, asked, why didn't you just get up and walk away? And we'll see later on, like, It's so heartbreaking. A lot of these women realize that they're raped and then they will go on to tell Dr. Story, thank you for the exam. They'll make another appointment with him. They'll go to the front desk and pay for the exam. I mean, like, these women are so shell-shocked. And, like, don't you ever dare say, like, oh, how could they do that? Because they just went through such a traumatic experience and... They're trying to survive, like, the break that is going on in their brain, and there's just no way that we could, even in them knowing that they are being raped in the moment for them to, like, let it continue to happen, it is them just trying to survive. It is so devastating the amount of ridicule that these women go through for experiencing something that they didn't voluntarily want to experience it like this story just really breaks my heart and how it it's more so like they're freaking torture just for being assaulted i'm just like i know and so like obviously everyone copes differently with their trauma Mm -hmm. and um, chooses differently on how or if to speak about it, if they want to be involved in, you know, trials, etc. And we have to completely respect that, you know, if people choose to not speak or speak and the reasons why. But, you know, it's just really with this particular case... Um, it, 
there's just this whole other element added in on being raped Mm -hmm. is practically a crime within their religion Mm -hmm. and how that totally impacts how they cope with their trauma and how it's it affects you know it encourages like negative coping because yeah and um i know i said it in part one but like we're not saying that like mormons condone rape but we're just saying the leaders within this mormon church were condoning it and therefore it allowed yeah, yeah it allowed for this uh thing so when we say the mormon church we're not talking about like mormon church in general we're talking about this one in particular sorry yes this case, don't come this for us community i know we're saying some very broad statements but just know we're talking about these people within this case but yeah yes so of course arden is feeling the same way like she's understanding she knows exactly what we just said yes she's like yes girl thousand percent so she tells Alma you know if you can live with this if you if you are okay with it then I can live with this too and I will be okay with it too and even though she knew that Alma was lying she just let it go and she walked away and continued her pursuit so strike two Arden would then begin to make her way over to a widow that Arden had often visit visited during her rounds of compassion service And she would remember while talking to this woman that the widow had said that she needed frequent dilations. Mm. So going on a hunch, she went over and the woman would admit that she had gone to stories and had stopped seeing him. And when Arden would press, the woman would break down saying that she had only ever told her husband but it would take her 12 years before she would realize what story was doing to her. Oh. Damn. Arden, looking at this woman, couldn't bear to ask her to write a letter to the medical board. She just oh. saw that this woman was like in way too fragile of a state to even try that. So she just simply decided to drive away and go over to the last prospect she could think of. Yeah, well, good for her because obviously Arden is desperate. Yeah. But she has her boundaries mm-hmm. and she's respecting these victims. Yeah, yeah. Arden really, like, it. there are times where I get really mad at Arden, but God, she just does a really good job of being the strong person in this case and really trying to, like, rally yeah. together and get the ball rolling because it it's so hard how it's amazing how much hard work it took for this case to become what it eventually becomes so you got to give her credit for that so she is driving over to this place because she remembers that years prior she had heard story's name and connection with a child abuse case But at the time when she first heard it, she dismissed it as pure gossip. So she would go over to Jean Anderson's front door. And when she knocked, Jean Anderson's mother would answer. And when she spoke to Arden, she would tell her of the incident. It had happened nearly 20 years ago when Jean was just nine years old. Story had taken out his penis 
and told her that he was going to put something under her to make her feel better. No. He would lay her down and told her to lift up and then he would and he would then slide his penis under her hips while giving her what he described as a hypodermic in her bottom. Which I'm assuming is like a hypodermic shot or something like that. Yeah, just a, a fucking shot, a vaccine probably. So when he says slip it under under her, she me- he meant in her? It's, it, that's as much detail as it went into, but it did seem like this was like a case of sodomization. Mm. When the daughter had told her mother, she obviously went straight to the police but the police told her that nothing could be done what the fuck for a nine-year-old a nine she how could you be making up a story about a fucking nine-year-old not even try to bat like okay let me at least look into this what the the mother would even write a complaint to the state medical board because what the fuck? But the board did nothing of it. Like, nothing came of this either. Bless her heart. When asked if she would... When Arden asked if she would make a complaint again, the mother had said something of like, oh, I may even have the original one, but when she looked, she couldn't find it, and... When Arden asked if she would write another one, she was kind of like, well, I need to talk to my daughter about it. Um, Because, again, like, this isn't her story to tell. And the daughter has... 20 years later. Yeah. And the daughter has since moved on to Utah and, like, has a family of her own now. So Arden goes away and she's thinking, okay, well, at least this wasn't a denial. You know, this isn't strike three. Yeah. It wasn't a no. So now back to Alethea. So when Alethea had came home from her meeting with Arden, she was a little shell-shocked and overall confused over what to do. She had told her husband of the incident, and he basically told her, you know, don't get involved. And as soon as she said that, she was like, okay, so I'm getting involved. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as someone, a a man, (laughs) tells you not to do something... Hello. Not a man. Fuck that. <laughs> so she would go on to describe how she was just 15 and a virgin when she went for her first pelvic exam with Story. Oh. During the exam, he stated that he wanted to dilate her and would insert something warm into her. In total, the exam would last a half hour. And afterwards, oh. she couldn't help but leave wondering if, like, that's what sex felt like. Okay, one, that must be a record for him. 30 minutes, wow. Uh, two, I know her young mind is just curious about sex, just wondering probably. But it's weird how, like, it could have been her intuition coming into yeah. play as well. And... I don't know if it's going to say it later on, like maybe even during the trial, like this dude has to have some type of sex addiction or something because I mean, he's doing it almost like every day. He multiple multiple times times a day. day. Like it's 
for years. I'm just like, and then he's like in his 60s when he's finally caught. I, it's kind of, I, it's gross. I don't know if he takes like medication or something for that. It's, oh. Yeah, there's gotta be a. Mm. He's, it, it's definitely like an addiction of some sort for him. It's, I don't know, fucking. In 1970, she would meet her husband, Mike, and the two would get pregnant for the first with their first child when she was 17. So, of course, when she got pregnant, she would have to go to Story to get pelvic examinations. And during the pelvic examination, Alethea could not get the thought out of her mind that this is exactly how it feels with her and Mike. <sighs> yep. Oh, my God. During one of the exams, there would even be an instance where there was a knock at a door, at the door, and, like, a nurse was wanting Story to sign some papers for her. And Dr. Story's mood, like, completely changed. You could see him getting, like, real kind of, like, agitated, and he was, like, jumpy. She said that his reaction was extremely odd, and when mm. he would tell him, like, oh, place the papers by the door, I'll sign them later. But she would say when the exam was done, she would go out to her husband outside and say, I think Dr. Story just screwed me. And he'd be like, oh, you mean on the bill? And she's like, no, I think, I mean, really. Oh. Mm. But of course, they just kind of were like, mm, don't worry about it. It's a haha <laughs> ha, joke. And then on the morning of her 30th birthday on February 12th of 1983, she decides to go in to see Dr. Story because she has been suffering from a case of pneumonia where she thinks that the symptoms are kind of coming back. Oh, no. So she was led into exam room two where he would check her eyes, nose, and throat. And he would say that he didn't seem to see anything but it had been some time since she had had a pelvic exam last. Oh, fucking K. And that he needed to check her because, you know, she could be suffering from a low-grade kidney infection. Okay. So she would undress. He would place a sheet over her knees. And he would go and turn the water on and run a speculum, which is like the tool that they use down there under and he would run it under the water to quote unquote warm it up and that's like something that she said he did often and I guess that was his excuse to leave the water on running during his exams because that's a thing that he did when he was assaulting these women Ugh. and I noticed that in the first part how he would leave the water on yeah like, what the fuck I guess it's like a noise thing Ugh. yeah so as soon as he started to enter the speculum, he would say, this is un awfully uncomfortable, isn't it? And she would simply reply, yes, like it always is. And he would put the speculum down and say, okay, okay, it's time to start dilating you. No. He would then slip something inside of her that she said felt exactly like Mike. No. And she would also start to notice a rhythm. That when the tube was far inside, he would be up close to her. And that when the tube slid back, he would slide back with the tube. Oh, no. She became extremely conscious to the fact that her very own doctor, who she had put the upmo utmost trust in, was raping her during her yeah. pelvic exam. 
she could not believe what was happening to her and she was terrified like she was wondering what to do at that moment she thought if I do anything to like let him know that I know if I try to fight him off like he's a doctor she was saying like he could put a shot in my heart and make it look like I had a heart attack and died and no one would know like she was terrified she literally thought if something happens like he is going to kill me or you'll see later on there's an instance where like a woman fought back and he kicked her out of the office and told everyone that she was crazy and everyone believed him so it's like no one is fucking safe so he yeah what the fuck do you do what do you do she was so terrified that when he asked if he could get in further she felt like she could say nothing other than yes She would recall during this how in the Book of Mormon it says that you must guard your virtue with your life. And she's to that she's thinking, gosh, like I shouldn't just lay here. I need to do something about this. But when he asked for a third time if he could get in farther, she just heard herself say, I guess. She would begin to cry. And her and Story would lock eyes together, and he would have a look of triumph and dominance. No. Oh, my God. He knew that she had figured it out, and he simply would offer her a prescription afterwards and send her off. For the fucking pneumonia, he said, looked fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. She. Oh, my God. I, it's hard. It's hard. She lived in confusion and fear over what to do next. She would not visit Dr. Store anymore, though she would still take her daughter to see him. And she would describe in the book that this ordeal was hard for her because part of her still really liked Story and it was hard for her to not want to trust him again. Four months after the incident on her birthday happened... She decided that she was going to fast in order to use it as, like, a way to help get a sign from God. And it was actually on the second day of her fast that Arden came up to her and asked her, Hey, have you seen, have you ever gone to Dr. Story? Oh, wow. It would take Alethea three hours to write the letter to the state medical board. And when she was later asked if she would be willing to testify, Alethea would say yes. And when later asked by President Abraham if the rumors were true, if she did in fact write a letter to the state medical board, she would say yes. President Abraham would give his sympathies and remind her that it's not the church's job to prosecute. And though Dr. Story did have a large LDS following... Abraham was sure that Dr. Story was guilty because, as he put it, he's heard it from so many other women. Okay, so now he's convinced? Burn. Burn. And that's crazy how, um, like you mentioned, Arden coming to her was also kind of a sign um, at her point in her life. And... Arden so it's almost like God yeah. made Arden the pull timing. over because he knew Aletha Aletheia needed 
that. Yeah. The timing of everything was like really insane. How it all just like perfectly, perfectly lined up. So while Alethea is writing her letter to the state medical board, Arden is trying to figure out her who her other witnesses could be because she has not hit her five mark yet. So she's racking in her brain who she could possibly call and remembers that there is this woman named Dottie Perry who I did mention super, super briefly in the first part. And Arden mm. decided that she was going to give her a call and see if she was still willing to talk. Dottie was understandably pretty peeved off. She was like, um, what the fuck? I tried to come to you all these years ago. And Arden's like, I know, but it's super important now. And Dottie's like, uh, no, bitch, it was important when it happened to me. Like, so yeah. Dottie's like, okay, you know, like, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, I just need to think about it. I need some time. Yeah. You're you're asking a lot. Understandably. Of yeah. She's like, now I'm going to give you the the nail-biting anticipation. So running out of ideas, Arden turns to her daughters and she goes, please, girls, like, is there anybody that you can think of that in high school that had talked about Dr. Story that I could potentially go over and talk to now? And the girls go, well, you know, mom, remember you said, like, devil's whispers make bad sins or something like that. And you you told us not to gossip so when people gossiped you were like don't gossip so everyone was scared to talk about him around us Ugh. and so defeated she's like fuck you're right you're right <laughs> <laughs> you're right i did do that fuck <laughs> fuck so now she's like well Okay, so I can't think of any more patients. Well, maybe I can think of like an ex-employee or something. And so she goes, well, you know, there w- there is this one girl I'm thinking of. Okay, I, I believe her name was like Ina Welling. Let me go see what's up. Let me give her a call. And it turns out that Ina was super ready to talk. And she had quite the tea Ooh. to spill about Dr. Story. Ooh, so, mm-hmm. so her tea was that she had in fact worked for story from 65 to 67 of the 1900s he had saved he had actually saved her son's leg after nearly losing it in a motorcycle accident Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know. Still laughing at the of the 1900s. I like okay. I, I halfway in between that. Is sentence, that what you typed? No, I typed 65 to 67, and in the middle <laughs> of saying that, I'm like, I should probably mention that it's like 1900s. You know, like well, of the 1900s. You know, if someone's listening to this 300 <laughs> years from now, like just so they know what century I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, that's a very valid thought. Yeah. <laughs> so. She story had actually saved her son's leg after nearly losing it in a motorcycle accident. So obviously she was super duper grateful to him for that, though. I don't think she was as grateful having him as a boss. She would say that he would not pay her things like overtime and he would often ask her to work on her days off. Oh, ew. Mm-hmm. He was also one of those bosses that would dock your check for if he, like, didn't like how you did things, which I'm like, who the fuck <gasps> does that anymore? I forgot that that was a thing. It's like, you 
bent the paperclip funny docking your check it's (laughs) what the fuck you wasted a staple you're gonna pay docked and he would do it for like the silliest things and above all she would say like yeah the man was fucking cheap so mm. oh Uh, just okay this is is really gross i mm. if a woman came in wearing pants or jeans he would tell the nurses to give those women dirty sheets to sit on. Oh. And if the ones, if women came in wearing like dresses with nylon, then they would be the ones to get a clean sheet. Ew. But if you were a high school girl, you wouldn't get a sheet at all. Oh my God. He would even have the nurses turn their disposable gloves inside out, wash them, and reuse them. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. After all this shit we talked about in the drunk mystery and history, this really fucking grosses me out. Yeah, because... Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It gets worse, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) He, so they would have these plastic speculums that were meant to be disposable. He would put them in a strong (coughs) disinfectant and reuse them. Surprisingly, though, he was a neat freak, like, within the office. I don't get that. But supposedly, like, they would joke like, oh, if there's a piece of tape on the floor, he'd be like, get that tape off the floor. Oh, my God. So this totally feeds that whole controlling mm-hmm. aspect and complex that he has, mm-hmm. has. Because obviously, if it were more of like an OCD type of thing, like uh, it it would be like different, yeah. you know, more sanitary. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a contr- straight up controlling so gross. Thing. And like, I don't think he ever had male employees but it's just like he liked for them to be women and he liked to berate them like just solely for the fact that they were fucking women it seems like and of course the cherry on top (laughs) the piece de la resistance he's fucking racist okay like we can't right you can't you can't have a story without it i'm just uh, nope yeah you know god damn it so, Ina, 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 Ina would actually get in trouble if she made an appointment for quote unquote them, referring Uh-oh. to Mexicans, Indians, blacks, pretty much like any race that wasn't white. Though he <laughs> he weirdly hated Germans, so not all whites were safe. What the fuck. <laughs> You know what? Okay. He looks Jewish as fuck, kind of. Not if that's you know offensive, what? I'm sorry. He, he, he looks Jewish a little bit. Well, he, um, he so, <laughs> kind of does. Kind of makes sense. I honestly don't know. Not that it's okay. Well, you you find out later on in the book that, like, Dad's story actually uh, forced the siblings of the story household to speak German. But, I mean, like, you could speak German and be Jewish. That has nothing to say. But I don't know later on if he's Jewish. But um, John would actually study German in high school, and his brother, Jared, would even, like, go on to teach German in high school. But 
for whatever reason, John just like ends up hating it. Oh yeah, that's another. It's thing. so weird. I'm just like that I, is weird. Something happened. Maybe yeah, we'll like find. He despises it. Yeah, like maybe we find out. Reason. Maybe we don't. But it, it's weird. And of course, like I said, he made the staff's life a living hell. He gaslights the women. Like he would change uh, the rules or like the procedures every single day and like not tell them what procedure was that he wanted to do for that day. So obviously if the women did it wrong, which they did because all he had yeah, to like, do was say how so. Would they know? Yeah. Oh my God. He would be like, oh my God, you're so fucking stupid. How could you do that? Yeah. Clearly it's this Ew. way. Ew. It would even become a running joke with the pharmacist that would do the prescriptions for the story's office that he would ask the women like, oh, has story made you cry yet? <laughs> but of course, with the men, he was like super polite, cordial, like no men had an issue with him. It was solely the women that he would do this to. My God. Maybe because she was bored, maybe because she was a little peeved, Ina began to realize that Story had a routine. Ladies would often leave looking a little flustered, and she would notice that he always had the water on during his exams. Uh. She also noticed that nurses were never allowed in the room. And if they, for whatever reason, needed him... They had to knock, and it had to be, like, a super big emergency. Otherwise, they were not to bother him. Ugh. She would remember a certain incident with a woman named Wanda Hammond, who was married with six children, and when she was in the exam room with Wanda and went to leave, Wanda would grab Ina and beg her not to leave the room. And Ina, being scared of Dr. Story, would say, like, Wanda, I can't. You have to tell Dr. Story that you want me in here. And Ina, also being too scared of Dr. Story, couldn't muster the strength to say, like, I want this nurse in the room. And so Ina left. No. Wanda would later come out of the exam room an hour later and whispered to Ina that it happened. No. After that incident, Ina began to watch more closely what was going on. And when Wanda had come back a few months later, she realized that he would lock the door again. At this point, she could not deny, like, there's something clearly going on. And she would quit and tell her friends and family, like, do not go to this doctor. Oh, my God. Well, good for her. Yeah. He would tell the town that... She didn't quit. He fired her because she's too stupid. Okay. Though he failed to mention to the people that he told this to that he would call Ina's house at night and beg her to come back. Of fucking course he would. She would be like, (laughs) her response, her clapback at that was like, I guess I was only stupid after I quit or like after I got fired or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So now that Arden has heard Wanda's name, she decides to go over to her friend Lanita Thompson or Grandma Thompson. Now, Grandma would confirm Wanda's story, 
And Arden would then use that as her okay to approach Wanda and ask if she was willing to help. Because she that's like kind of the vibe that she got that like Wanda may be willing to talk about this if yeah. you want to ask her. Okay, cool, cool. Arden would approach Wanda with thoughts of writing to the medical board. And as soon as Arden left, she would break down as the memories of her experience came flooding back. Hmm. Wanda had been brought up in a rural, impoverished rural, town just 10 miles east of Lovell. She would marry a man named Charles Hammond when she was just 18. And she would meet Dr. Story in 1962 when she, he would deliver the last two of her seven children. Wanda would describe him as a rather odd duck. But other than that, he was like a pretty skilled doctor and he had a good track with her and her daughter's plumbing. So she was okay with the situation. Plumbing. Mm -hmm. That's such a cute name. (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't think so? (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) Plumbing. I mean, it. I'm just thinking. Doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but. There's this. one tiktok that's going around right now it's like a really old one but um this girl it's like clearly a porno it's not a porno scene but it's clearly like a funny gag of one and the dude is working under this woman's sink and he's like all right ma'am like i found the problem i gotta fix it with this pipe and she's like oh do you have a big pipe like or a seven inch pipe and he's like well ma'am you only need a small pipe for this one like it would really be way too expensive for me to put this big one in here and she's like oh well I don't have any money and he's like yeah so see it's really you just want to use the small pipe with this sink and she's like well maybe I can pay in other ways he's like yeah if you want to write a check out to me you can for sure do that I take cash credit card you know whatever she's like well, maybe if I if you clean my pipes, I'll clean yours. He goes, "Ma'am, I've got a plumber." <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> That's what I think of when I hear plumbing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I was gonna say like when I said it doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, like because you kind of want to say plumbing mm-hmm. instead of plumbing because yeah. you and E are so similar. <laughs> Uh, but it's cute. It's cute. It's a cute little mm, innuendo. So like I had said, Wanda had begun seeing him in 1962. It wouldn't be until fall of 1969 that she would realize what Dr. Story was doing to her. Mm. So she would come in for a 145 appointment for a sore throat. Oh, God. It would take until 3 p.m., 1.45 p.m. So it would take until 3 p.m. for her to get into the exam room. And once he looked at her throat, he told her, oh, it looks fine. But while you're here, let's do what he called a full length. Oh, God. He would leave the room and make her wait until 3.30 p.m., at which he then entered back into the room, made her lay down and draped a sheet across her knees. He would then insert something into her, which she said felt exactly like her husband Charles, and started pushing it in and out. 
He would ask her if she would like to help him guide it in, to which she <gasps> would tell him no multiple times. Yeah, no, thanks. At one point, she would feel his pubic hair tickle the inside of her thigh. <gasps> ew, 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 ew. To which that point she snapped at him, Dr. Story, and like freaked out. He would pull away and loudly zip his pants, telling her that the exam was over and that she could leave. Oh, okay. Thank you, sir. Fuck you. By the time she left out of the door, it was 5.30 p.m. No. See, no. Years would pass before Arden would show up on Wanda's door. And, like, this experience obviously really traumatized Wanda and it really made her feel unworthy and so over the years you know she had begun to feel a little less unworthy over time and she had just stopped having nightmares when Arden went to her door and so now all of these memories are flooding back and in her mind she's like fuck I'm here come the nightmares again like this is all happening all over again And she just decides, you know, whatever this is, there's just no way that I can be a part of this. Yeah. So as Arden's driving away from Wanda's home, she has this crazy, crazy detective thought. She's on a roll and she just thinks, oh my gosh, you know, there was a rumor. Dr. Story mentioned, hey... Were these rumors starting from Dr. Welch's office? Right. And then she thinks, oh my gosh, there's a woman. What is her name? Caroline Shotwell. Caroline Shotwell once worked for Dr. Story before she switched over to Dr. Welch's office. Ah, ha, ha, ha. So he base okay, so he basically told Arden... Gave her a clue mm-hmm. because he assumed these rumors were starting from an ex-employee. Mm-hmm. 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 Good, Arden. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah, that was like, oh, I'm so glad she caught on to that. So she made a turn for the Shotwell home because she was like literally driving home and she's like a light bulb over the fucking head. And she's like, you turn fucking movie ass moment makes her a beeline for Shotwell's home. Caroline answers the door and said that she would try to help by writing a letter about a woman she knew had gone through something at Dr. Story's office, though she didn't want to mention the name of the woman, you know, confidentiality reasons, whatever, like, blah. So she would try to write the letter without using the woman's name. Okay. Arden left. But what she didn't know was that Caroline would be writing the letter about herself. So in spring of 1972, Story had offered Caroline a job through her Mormon sister. Oh, sorry. In the spring of 1972, Story had offered Caroline a job. Though at the time her Mormon sister did warn her, this dude really has some problems like maybe don't take the job. Oh, God. But she needed it, and so she took it. She didn't really think anything of it. You know, like, obviously, he's your doc. And she was also seeing him as a doctor, so what could go wrong? Right. (laughs) 
It didn't take her long to realize, though, that uh, he's kind of a douche. So he never admitted to a mistake, and it would always end up being someone else's fault. No, so many people like that. He would, <laughs> his rules would vary from day to day, like I said. And he had this really weird rule that you were not allowed to schedule male patients before 4 p.m. Ew. She too. I wonder why. Mm-hmm, we wonder why. Caroline, too, would also confirm that uh, Dr. Story's a fucking racist. And on top of that, he would make jokes about his obese patients. And in fact, when Caroline herself gained some weight, Dr. Story would go, Oh, don't you realize that you now weigh more than me? <gasps> okay. If you're a man and you're listening to this, hopefully don't you fucking say that. know what to do and what not to do. But if you don't, take some notes. <laughs> you will get slapped. I will slap you for sure. Caroline would also have an experience where a patient would beg her, beg, please, 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 do you, can I please keep my bra and my garment on during the exam? Caroline could not look at that woman and tell her no, so she let her keep the bra and garment on. And when Dr. Story found out, he would berate Caroline. He mm. would just go at her so hard that she broke down and was just like, you know what? I don't think this is working out. I'm just going to go ahead and quit. Hell yeah. He would, of course, like, call the house, try to get her back. Though she would mention that, like, he never apologized for his actions. He just said, like, you should be a part of the team, whatever. He would try to, like, smooth her up in other ways without saying, I'm so sorry. Which, I'm just like, you motherfucking asshole. Yeah, what the you fuck? condescending. Mm. Narcissist. Yeah. So Caroline had been using Dr. Story as her primary doctor. And after she quit, she didn't feel like there was a reason to stop seeing him, even though he was a pretty shitty boss. But just six months after she quit her job at Dr. Story's office she would realize that he had been dilating her with his penis and had probably been doing so the entire time that she had been seeing him. Oh, my God. When she found out, she was too ashamed to tell her husband, who was, in fact, a former bishop of the Mormon church. Oh, wow. But that would ultimately change when her daughter, May, entered the home just six weeks later speaking of her own experience with story. So May had just had a positive pregnancy test and went over to Dr. Story to get it checked when he decided that he needed to dilate her with a tube. (laughs) May said that the tube felt so much like her husband's that May pulled the sheet aside (gasps) and saw Story's fully erect penis. Oh, my God. Ew. To that... You know, and I just have images in my mind because I can't help it. I... Along, like... Like, it's such a moment that you would say, like, what the fuck would you... I just, like, can't imagine what I would actually do. Like, he's caught red-handed. Yeah. And to that, you know what he fucking says? 
Oh, God. I turn I see red. He goes, oh, didn't you know? I want to chop him up into tiny little pieces. Ew, ew. I, I just really can't say anything else besides you ew. You can't. It's so, it's really fucking shocking. So hearing this, the women decide that they are going to go tell the dad what happened. The dad's name is John. And John decides that he will meet with Story and talk to him. And when he meets with Story, he says, I'm sorry if that's what your daughter may imagined. I guess I'll have a nurse in the room to avoid misunderstandings in the future. John would go to his wife, Caroline, and say, like, that sounds reasonable enough. And Caroline's like, because she hasn't told her husband of her experience. She's like, I should have fucking said something at this point. But she's like at a a loss at this point and ultimately feels like she's the reason why, like, all of this happened, which I just it's so heartbreaking. She would write a letter to the medical board. But she would warn that if she was asked to go public with it, she wouldn't do so. Yeah. But finally, we have the five letters that we need. And so it's sent off to the medical board. Uh-huh. Now, upon receiving, receiving the five letters, they would quietly send John's story a letter saying that they were basically going to have an informal interview over the accusations. So they would set the hearing for July 20th of 1983. And when John Story's wife, Marilyn, first heard this, she became rather annoyed. (laughs) I could imagine. (laughs) (laughs) It's those damned MacArthur women and that stupid ex-employee Caroline Shotwell. John... Just to put into preface, always shielded her from the office. Like, he's very controlling, and this goes into his control with Marilyn and his daughters. Like, kept Marilyn in the dark, didn't want her talking to anyone in the office. Like, if she was working at the office that day, he would put her in a back room where no one would see her or, like, talk to her. So, very much kept in the dark, and if anyone talked to her, like... It was through John. John fucking had to be there. If it wasn't, like... And if John wasn't there, then he would be at home to explain why that person was wrong, you know? So... Yeah. Ew. So Marilyn would agree that, like, yeah, ultimately it's kind of hard to be married to John. (laughs) (laughs) He's not the greatest husband, you know? Okay. His first love was medicine. Um, You know, they didn't really talk. The only time that they really talked was, like, right before they got married and... Once they got married, she realized that, like, you know, being a doctor's wife isn't all that they make it appear to be on TV. You know, he had just graduated medical school. He wasn't really making any money. He had a lot of school debt to pay. They were living in subsidized housing. And Marilyn's just like, oh, my God, this is not what I was thinking it was going to be. Like, what the fuck? So this was back in the the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Before he, like, really gets his start in doctorhood. And obviously, John was pretty embarrassed about it. Like, he hated living in subsidized housing. He did not like handouts or anything. He was really, um, 
he just like always had some shit to say about it. But he would later begin his surgical residency in Ogden, Utah. And after that, they would move back to his hometown in Maxwell. And then he would like move around a bit. They would go to Nebraska. And while they were in Nebraska, and I think they were like somewhere else, but while in Nebraska, Marilyn would spot a newspaper ad stating that Lovell, Wyoming needed a doctor. And they had heard that the money in that area was fairly good. So as soon as they got there, John had become a town favorite. And within months, their office was booming. They always had a full list. They had a huge list of uh, patients that would go and see them. But she would get kind of mad at John because John had a habit of, like, not charging people. Or if he did, he would undercharge them by crazy amounts so Ah. she explained that it would take them actually quite some time to make money while living in Lovell Wyoming so and it's (laughs) it's so funny how like either ignorant or in the dark I, I guess that's the same thing but like either she's lying or she just is really this oblivious she would say that John would work with a lot of migrant workers and like that's why it was also hard for them to make a lot of money. You know, he was just so charitable. He would take on these migrant workers cases for free. He would work with all of the Mexicans in the town. He was just such a caring guy and that's why it was so hard for them to make money. But either way, she would ultimately say like she didn't like that the town was so highly influenced by the Mormon population. She didn't really want her children, like, ultimately associating kind of what I was getting the vibes of, of, like, with people with, like, Mormon culture. So she didn't really want to stay in Lovell, Wyoming, but John really liked this town. He really liked Mm -hmm. what he was doing here, so he didn't want to leave. And she would ultimately... Yeah, that all with the migrants. That stuff with the migrant workers sounds like BS, excuses. Yeah, yeah. That's stupid. He would basically say, like, oh, I'm doing God's work. Not God's work. I'm just, like, doing a lot of good work here, blah, blah, blah. And when ultimately the rumors would swirl, because they have been swirling for quite some time, John would tell her, oh, it's just this... um, it's this say Claire Balt syndrome where these people these people fall in love with authority figures and if you deny them these this love like they turn straight to violence and they will stop at it they won't stop it until like they get what they want and so that's I guess what she thinks that these women are under <laughs> and if it's not that then she's like okay then obviously they're mad because they owe money and they just like are looking they're terrible people and they're looking for an excuse to not pay the bill because you have to think the myth MacArthur's at the time that this was going on Dean had just had a heart attack so they owed the story family a little over four thousand dollars in medical expenses after story saved Dean's life yeah. So she just kind of was like using all of these excuses to help her sleep defend, at night. Yeah. Like, and defend John. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. So on I mean, I get it if you're being manipulated pretty much and you're out you're out of, uh, in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. Yeah. It's mm. it's rough. 
So Dr. John's story would appear in front of the Board of Medical Examiners on July 22nd of 1982 at 10 a.m. for his informal interview. He would be informed that the board had received five separate complaints from female patients and would, though he was not going to be given the name of the individuals, if this moved on to a formal interview or if it wasn't settled, he would have the opportunity to later confront these witnesses. So when the board basically asked him, so like, what do you think of all of this? John's story would say, this is all nonsense. One of my friends has even like advised me to sue after this. It's all just like a bitter ex-employee who happens to be friends with one of the women who's behind the original complaint. Like this is all just one big collusion and I have I've done nothing wrong. I would never do anything like that. Like the amount of visual visualization and the amount of thinking that you have to do in order to come up with something or to come up with this like there's no way that someone could say that this happened it's just so extreme mm-hmm. the board would read the the letters out loud to john and after reading these letters the board would ask if the accusations were correct and he would state that the charges were not correct and that he would not use his office in such a manner. To guard himself against it, he would say, I'll cut my pelvic exams in half. And Ew, why is that the first thing he always goes to? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, why? How? How are you able to cut them in half if it's fucking necessary? That, like, proves you're. And I'm like, these are a board of medical people. How? How can you justify the length of time it's taking? I can assure you that you have never... Uh, anywho. Right. And he would say, like, I'll never have alert... Uh, I'll never be alone in the office. I'll have a nurse there. Whatever, whatever. Fuck. So the board would be like, okay, let me, let's discuss this. Let's think about this. We'll come back to you. We'll let you know the decision. Just stand outside real quick. Dr. Story would be invited back into the room and he would be told that he would be given the following options to choose from. So he could choose that he could either have his license relinquished and he just won't be a doctor anymore. He won't be charged. We're just kind of like right then and there. Yeah, we're just going to all forget about it. They could take this to a formal hearing where he could fight it and try to keep his license and whatnot or they can try and like settle this in an informal meeting I guess try and find a conclusion with the women to where they don't need to take it to a formal matter and to this doctor story would say so after 25 years in the community that means the end for that doesn't it (gasps) which I'm like that means the end for that I'm why does he keep, like, putting him... He says shit. So he's obviously upset that he has to end his rapings. Like He's, like, fucking admitting it. How can they fucking let him just say that and be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. They would strongly advise him, like, meet, get some legal counseling before you give us an answer. But he would, like, try and go back and forth with the board. Like, so I really can't just, like 
cut my exams in half and have a nurse in there. They're like, no, like you need to do this. And he's like, I'm just telling you like one practices incense, one's related to a peeping Tom. Like one owes me a lot of money. I really can't believe you guys are doing this. And he's like, nope, you got to decide. And he's like, well, these women are crazy and I am not relinquishing my license and I'm not, and this didn't happen. And so the board goes, okay, we have no other choice but to proceed and do a formal investigation into the matter. Hell yeah. And so we're going to stop right there. Ah! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Part three. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. Okay. <gasps> this one is a little long. We got to stay tuned but yeah so next we're gonna get into the formal investigation what comes into that and it gets fucking insane oh shit Ooh. so yeah uh, we'll hope hopefully sunday we'll see but yeah we'll just end it follow us on twitter instagram tiktok good pods uh youtube yeah at our ARW podcast and be sure to leave us a five star rating and a little review that would really make us feel good about our yeah. lives yeah and <laughs> something and something and you know if you're feeling lonely if you want someone to talk to you can always send us a little email and yeah stay tuned for part three guys because it's <laughs> and then part four ah! oh my god <laughs> okay bye yay <laughs> bye <laughs>